Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Jubilee's Men's Inheritance uh, meeting this morning. And uh, guys are still in the back eating breakfast, and uh, we're hoping that they come out soon. <laughs> um, just want to take the time to say that uh, this is a day that the Lord has made, and we will, I choose, to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? This is the day. So we're going to start uh, this morning with a prayer, and we're, we're going to start with the first song is from Psalm 150, and the, the chorus is from Psalm 103. Then we'll go to uh, the second song, which is from Numbers chapter 6. So we're singing the word this morning. And the reason why we're singing the word, because Psalm, Psalms says that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. So as we're singing the word, as you're hearing the word, let the word penetrate your spirit, penetrate your soul, and receive the healing that he promises you. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision for us, Lord God. You have provided everything that we need, Lord God, for life and godliness. And, Lord, we receive all from your hand this morning, Lord God. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the unbelief. Lord God, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and help us now to focus our attention on you. Lord, to bless your name. Lord God, to praise you because you alone are worthy. You alone are holy. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, so the, the key to this song, all you need to know is I want you guys to shout out Praise the Lord. And then sing, bless the Lord, O my soul. And you'll, you'll, you'll hear me go like this. And then you praise the Lord. All right. Try that. Praise the Lord. All right. Try it again. Praise the Lord. And then I'm going to go. Praise the Lord. Do that. Praise the Lord. Okay, you got it. So you know the song. It goes like this. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. 
Show me love and mercy. 
Oh, Lord, you alone are worthy. Thank you for your goodness and grace, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here in this place together to praise your name, Lord God, without any restrictions, Lord God. Nobody telling us that we can't do this. So we choose, we choose this day to praise you, Lord God. Praise your holy name. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.
athletes and our children and their children and their children. May his presence go before us and behind us and beside us, all around us and within us. He is with us, he is with us in the morning, in the evening, in our coming, in our going, in our weeping and rejoicing. He is for us, he is for us, he is for us, he is for us, he is for us.
Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
as we play, just voice your own prayer to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Speak it with your own lips. Praise your holy name, You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy, Lord. Oh, yes, Jesus. You are the faithful one, God. You are the faithful one, God. Let's give the Lord a praise and thank God for the worship. Hallelujah. Praise you. What I love about you, Wes, is that you always command us to praise God, not let uh, you praise God for us. Did you get that? Give your own voice, get your own heart, get engaged, because we are learning to have the voice of our Lord. And we're going to one day at the, met, at the wedding feast, we will sound like Jesus. In Revelation 1, he is a, the sound of many waters. In Revelation 19, the bride is the sound of many waters and thunders. <laughs> so we've got to raise our voice. And I just and thank God for you commanding us to do that. Amen? Okay, you, can, you guys, can, this half of the room can be seated. That half already sat. Welcome, everybody, online. But before we go too far, go greet a couple guys and just re- speak a word of encouragement and tell them that God's on the move and something's going to happen today, tangible, because you're here. Everybody that joined us online, same thing's true. God is on the move. We're about to be in the movement of God. When God moves, we want to move with him, and that's what's going to happen in all our lives, whether you're right here live with us at your home or catching up with us at a little later date, God's on the move, and the movement of God's going to be, we're going to go with him in that, in Jesus' name. Okay, we're going to share a couple of things, and I want us to have some interaction prayer time, because that makes what we're doing really work. I was, um, first off, love you guys grateful that we can be together while we are worshiping. I felt like we need to remember for ourselves uh, that this is indeed strategic in the kingdom when we gather together. And uh, bless you, Larry, you can have a seat too if you want. <laughs> this man would stand, he would hold himself in, at ease. <laughs> he, uh, we're about to enter into the last three feasts. On Wednesday, I'm going to try to do a job of over, giving an overview of all seven feasts and how they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ today. The first four have been fulfilled not only in Jesus Christ eternally, but on the calendar, and we can point to the exact dates that they happen. The last three feasts have yet to be calendared. In other words, they, are, they have to hit the chronos, the chronological moment, and those will be the fulfillment and the glorification and finishing of the church age and into the millennial. In fact, in Zechariah, the, uh, we are told in the last chapter of Zechariah that during the millennial reign, we will all be getting, wherever we might live, 
we will all be getting on an airplane or however we help transport during the millennial and have to go to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. And the cool thing about it, I just saw the other day, it says to go and worship the king and celebrate tabernacles. See, when we celebrated the tabernacles in the Jewish years, it would have been just uh, unto the Lord. But now the king is present. Jesus will be present. It'll, it'll be magnificent. So we're on that. And during these three weeks, which will begin Friday night when we hit uh, Rosh Hashanah, it's change time. It's when God shifts. I don't, before I even knew about the feast, I always noted that in the fall between September and October, it seemed as though the year closed and the new year began. And I could look back by the time I'm in January and recognize where the shift was and how the direction changed. And I didn't realize that now I do because during these weeks, it's just a supernatural time. And we want to ready ourselves because every one of us are absolutely needed right now to join in agreement with the voice of the Lord. I was taking my shower this morning and the thought occurred to me again. There's only one thing I'm supposed to do today is hear his voice. And what I'm supposed to do is not harden my heart in hearing his voice because I'm never sure I've got, I want to respond. So I'm using, I'm building, I'm trying to continually have a soft heart toward him so that I can follow him when he says it's time to go or time to declare or time to decree. Uh, we are in a season. Let me take you Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. I just want to show you a really quick thing because I do believe people feel powerless right now and the people that have the most power need to start uh, activating our mouth with God's word into the earth for his purposes to be released no matter what that is, whether we're wrapping things up and the Antichrist is going to start, you know, the lawlessness of man will increase. We know that the lawlessness will cause the heart of the love of many to grow cold. We know that in the very end, as, as before Jesus appearing, we will be hated by all men and persecuted. So we're not looking toward a, an approval rating, and we will be as the world, what Jesus was to the world, that we, we, we can speak to it of its wickedness, so therefore people either have a choice to return to the Lord or refuse, and then they try to silence the voice. And so, uh, just this apex of moment is, uh, without going into all of the last day, the, the lawless one, I want to just look at Second Thessalonians 2, 9, just this perception. Because a lot of times we get caught, I get caught in details. I want to know exactly what this means, how it's going to happen, is it happening now. Where I feel God always says, just step back into the, the flow of it. Because my movement can be subtle, like a soft wind, or it can be violent, like a mighty rushing wind. But when I move, that's what begins to bring the change. And so this will be probably first undiscernible. It says in verse 9, chapter uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power 
and lying wonders. Are you still, are you looking for it, Chris? Is it up? But it's not up there. Okay, that's, that's the issue. Okay, so with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and we've read that through Revelation this last few, few days when we watched the beast rise and then the false prophet and then the miracles and, uh, that are being done by him. And it, then it says, with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So if I just read the scripture, as I always try to, to let it speak to who I am in Christ and how I am to respond in Christ to the life, he's saying that what's going to happen on the timetable, when the timetable hits, it will be to those who are perishing. And the reason is because they did not receive, which means that's a, a choice that we're making, which is receive is never passive. It's why we don't want to ever be passive in our in engagement. We don't want to be enraged by our flesh. We don't want to be you know, worrying with our soul. We want to respond like taking hold of, lebano, the Greek word, to take and seize eagerly. Because they did not take and receive e eagerly the love of the truth that they might be saved. So loving the truth is the key of separation. It, it will be what distinguishes the, the body of Jesus in maturing and what distinguishes the world in its pursuit of perishing because for this reason, so we have now the reason, this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So if we're talking about the last days, one thing I can confidently declare is going to happen is there's going to be uh, a strong delusion upon humanity because they did not choose to love the truth. So now they will believe the lie. The lie is simple. I can be independent of God. I can define who God is. I can determine what I want to do with my life. I'm in charge. I'm an American. I have my rights. However it functions, it's, it's what began with Lucifer, acted out by Adam, is that I'm going to take something of that I see and I'm going to operate it as I choose and I'm going to make it to be what I want it to be. And so that's why we have all the insanity that's going on in identities, gender identities, uh, national uh, truths of the Bible and no longer clear and understood, the creator. Uh, it's all there. And, you know, it's being repeated so often that you'll, we'll all believe it. It's, it's climate change. No, but as I read in the Bible, it's God trying to wake up the earth back to repentance and come back to God. He's the one who's, you know, we read it in Amos this week. <clears throat> he said, I did this to you. <clears throat> I sent the, the locusts. You didn't return. I, I stopped the rain. You didn't return to me. So God uses the natural world to speak to us when he needs our attention, and usually by that time no one's listening. So the strong delusion comes in, and the lie is I can do it. I, I, I'm determining my own. Nobody tells me who I am and what I get to do. Whereas the truth is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, who submitted to the Father fully inside the Word, and because he was, he then went to the cross on our behalf, per the Father's will, 
to become the sacrifice for sin, his soul and offering. And because of that complete submission to the Father, humility, <clears throat> he overwhelmed pride, arrogance, and the, and, and the wrath and the sin and all the consequences. And so he was called out of the abyss to be the son. Today I have begotten you. Not the first, the last Adam that he was born into the earth of only begotten son. Now he is the firstborn among many brethren, a whole new creation, which we're learning to live inside of. Whether we're 12 or 112, the potential of reigning with Christ on earth as kings and priests is only limited by our perception of who he is today as king and priest. So he said they, they didn't, they, they, they chose to believe the lie. Now the, the, now the delusion is going to get so thick and so strong and so incapable and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in up unrighteousness. <clears throat> I read this week in the bowls, you remember? One of the bowls when, he, when the sun scorches the earth, burns it up, and then it says they blasphemed God who had the power of that. And so instead of saying, wow, we really need to find our creator and come back to submission and ask God for help, they said, how dare, you know, they were just probably just blasting climate change. So we are a people, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm however old you are in Jesus, it's worse than it was when you got saved, right? The earth is darker, circumstances are, del and we've been working hard to try to change it. So part of it can be bad decisions of men, conspiracies of men, all of that. But another issue is the heart of man and the choice of the heart of mankind. So he says, here's the deal. Now, because they, they're going to be condemned, they didn't receive the love of, believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Then the good news, which I believe we are this company of men and online. We are this company. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation. Hallelujah. Aren't you just happy? I mean... We've just got to be thankful that we were chosen by God for salvation. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I'll, I, I just, every time I'm in a struggle, which I, I have to always remember, God initiated this choosing. I said yes, but he will be faithful to bring it to pass. Because God chose you from the beginning for salvation. And now here, just if we can just hear this, you'll, we'll locate our life and the importance of continuing with the Lord in this. He chose us from the beginning for salvation through sanctification. Sanctification is the journey of our life into God's holiness and out of the flesh and soulish thinking and worldly ways. As someone said, you know, you have God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you have the unholy trinity, which is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Or sometimes want to use all, you could call it um, sin, self, and Satan. Just this whole, he, he chose us, sanctification. How does that happen? By Holy Spirit, belief in truth. This is what the war is over. It's going to continually be this 
conflict with the truth. And if we can just lose sight of the truth, we will soon lose our place of, of sanctification journey. And we'll talk about that. To which he called you by our gospel. So we were chosen by God for salvation through sanctification, through belief in the Spirit, by, by the Holy Spirit and belief in the truth. And we were called, this is awakened inside the beautiful gospel, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even though the world is going to, gross darkness is increasing, the light's going to rise and shine upon those. It's going to become much more distinct. And it, we, we will be a people that are maybe not, we, we will know where we are and we'll know how to agree with God and therefore be able to uh, speak over the circumstances that are going on the earth. Nothing on the earth is happening that is not within God's ultimate control and timing. And he can move in a way that he could give us another 100 years and a, re a reawakening, a renewal, love, light, back to restoration of biblical truths throughout the culture where men and women choose laws to, to support the biblical pattern versus trying to take iniquity and put it into righteousness through law. It could happen. Or it could be that God says, no, I'm closing this up. I'm wrapping it up. I'm ready for a wedding. I want to get this into the next season. We don't know that. So we have to operate in a posture that I do. Okay, Lord, you're in charge. So I've got the G, we have the G20. I'm, I've been attending the G20. I'm not reading the news as much as I'm speaking over the men. I said, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's the war is against the Lord and his anointed. We might think it's against other institutions. And there are institutions that are very much aligned to God's principles. And there are other institutions that are very much in opposition to God's principle. But the war is trying to shake off the lordship of God. Of, 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 you know, remove God out of the conscious of man. But he, Jesus, who sits on the heaven, he's laughing. So I tried to step in and say, Lord, how are you taking the G12? What's up with that? And then I think, well, I know three things you do while you laugh. First, you hold things in derision. So then I begin to say, Lord, whatever is man's plans to shake off and take, cast aside and put away your rule, put it in derision. Mock it. Make it fall apart. It has no place to stand. And then secondly, <clears throat> you will speak to it in your wrath. So that's not me. I don't know what that will be, how you'll speak. And I'm not the one trying to raise up the wrath from within me. You'll need to deal with this. Do it as you are choosing. This is not unattended by God. God is present. Angels are present. Judgments are being made over nations. Because he goes on and he says, and then you will distress them in your deep displeasure. So I literally see the Lord Jesus from his heavenly throne next to the Father, waiting for the enemies to be made a footstool, to be presently engaged in a geopolitical group, but doing it from his lordship, his will, and his vantage. And I'm free to not fully know what that is. I don't have to. I just know that you're in charge. So if this is to wrap it up, if this is to accelerate, if this is to, uh, to give us opportunity, because in the Bible, we never know. 
All we know is that if our hearts please God, he turns a curse into a blessing. And he turns judgment into a re awakening. And if our hearts refuse, he goes on and on and on until he finally says, that's it. And we read in Amos this week. Amos, he sees a locust vision coming. And he cries out, Lord, please, please, Jacob's so little, so tiny, don't let this happen. And the Lord relents. And then he sees another uh, vision of destruction. And he cries out, Lord, please, Jacob's so tiny, don't let this happen. And the Lord relents. And we can prevent things because we see they, they're happening. And we have that kind of authority. But then there's also this time, the next vision he has is the Lord standing on a, on a wall with a plumb line. And he asks Jacob, or asks Amos, what do you see? And he says, I see a plumb line. He said, that's right. I have now measured Israel, and there will be no more deferring of my, my judgment. So now there's an inevitable. There will be an inevitable. The earth will burn up. So we have to, that the, the intent of that in Second Peter is because the earth will be burnt up, what manner of people are we to be in our conduct? And we're to be hastening the Lord's return. So if we want anything, we want it to happen faster than longer, but we're not wanting any to be lost. That's why the forbearance of God is always, I think I'll go a little longer. I want to, I want to save a few more. And so we're, we're in a, a, in a, in a, in a predicament because we're coming into glory. It may get tough, and it will get tough. I mean, the things of the earth that Jesus spoke about will be worse at the very end than better. Now, whether we're at the very end or not, that we don't know. But so I'll pray that prayer because I, I learned something when we started reading the Psalms together. It was the first thing that freaked me out. I mean, it was so rewarding and so it's so... T a lot of pressure is being put on us that isn't ours to carry, and a lot of pressure that God is, authority that God has given us, we're not using. We're, we're, and, and so the first thing is 150 Psalms, most of them written by King David. He never mentions a person's name. So when it, his Absalom, his son, is chasing him, he doesn't mention the name Absalom. When Saul. The king is trying to destroy him. He never uses the name Saul. He understood that God's work was to deal with wickedness and to reward righteousness. And he sought to identify himself with God and seeking mercy. He would have no problem identifying what's happening. They're digging a hole for me. But then he would say, let them fall in their own hole. That's a good prayer right now. All the holes being dug. Let them fall in themselves. They're setting a trap, a net. Let them fall into their same net. Why is that? Why did that strike me? Because in the last days in our feast, Jude said that there'll be those who feast with us without fear, eyes filled of adultery, who have no regard to the, to, to the ways of God. And it says they even speak evil of dignitaries. And so all authority is given by God. And so if I speak evil of a dignitary, which we saw happen when Peter, or when Paul says to uh, 
Caiaphas when he's arrested in Jerusalem and, he, and they have him struck. He says, well, you strike, you, you, God will strike you, you whitewashed sepulcher. You, and they said, do you, do, you, do, you rile, do you rail against God's high priest? He said, I didn't know it was God's high priest because God said, I'm not, we're not to speak evil of those in authority. So David understood something. <clears throat> you remember when he had Saul in the cave? Saul was going to the bathroom, and his men said, this is the time. He's yours. He's chasing you. He's, he's no longer the anointed. And he goes and he cuts the corner of his robe. Remember? What it, God rebukes him. I mean, right then, his heart, his heart's convicted. See, there are things that we, we don't understand unless we start to let that softening happen. And so Saul gets up and goes outside, and David's heart's convicted. And he goes outside, and he says, I... Saul, why are you doing this? I, I am just a flea. You're like chasing a flea. And he said, I had the opportunity to kill you, but I didn't. Here's your, here's your garment, corner of your robe. And Saul's heart changes, and he re retreats from his pursuit until another time he gets jealous and fearful and trying to destroy. But David understood something about how to operate. So it says in the last days in the book of Jude, which was one of Jesus' brothers, like James' half-brother, it says they will speak evil of dignitaries. Well, as Michael, the archangel, would not even bring a railing accusation against Satan in the dispute of the Lord's body, of Moses' body. So the Bible teaches us how to war and what is acceptable in wartime and how to behave so that we are overcoming evil with good, not being overcome by evil. Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not utter threats. Of anybody, he could have uttered some big threats, but he, he kept committing himself to him who's judging righteously, First Peter chapter 2. So with that idea, I'm standing with the Lord, and I'm in Psalm 2, and then I say, Lord, thou has anointed your king on your holy mountain of Zion. It is a set, established place, Jesus is Messiah, anointed one. And then you will be breaking things with rods of iron, and you will be dashing nations to pieces. And therefore, kings... All of you attending, all of you listening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, be wise. Be instructed, judges of the earth, to serve the Lord with fear and boast in your authority with trembling. Kiss the sun lest you be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. If I don't name names and if I don't tell God what that means for him to do, but I acknowledge that he is present in the circumstance that I am observing as an intercessor, agreeing with the work of God in his son, and I begin to just worship him there, I can feel the authority of the heaven coming into the earth. And I can agree that he is in charge. And I can be aligned with him in his purpose. And I believe that's going to become so much a part of our last day's ministry is just ruling, reigning from a from, from, as kings and priests on earth 
agreeing so that we're not, we're in agreement. The seals are broken. Okay, go. It's time to advance. These, these are things happening. We're, we're in agreement. We're hearing heaven. We're agreeing with. Now, how do you get, how do we become those people? And give me a couple minutes and then we'll practice it in a personal way. If you'll turn with me to uh, John 17. This is Jesus. <clears throat> For me, everything that Jesus did in relationship with the Father, I am learning to do in relationship to Jesus. So I'm not, I marvel at the ministry of Jesus, but I don't marvel at it as a way that it'll never be something we'll participate in. But I, I ask, how did you do that? I mean, how did, he, how did he do what he did? And yet we're going to do greater works. And he had the audacity to tell his disciples, you know, I, I kind of feel bad about everybody's been here for three days, not eight. So I want to feed them. What are you going to do? And then he knew what he And he just set everybody in place. And then he took the, the, sep, you know, the seven, seven loaves and the few fish and he multiplies them. I said, Lord, how did you do that? And he said, I submitted to God's word. I never deviated from the word of God. I lived inside the word of God. I meditated. And when he said that, and it was just a whisper of the Holy Spirit, but I felt it was the Lord speaking to me. When he said that, I thought, if you did that, how much more must I? How much more must I let the word of God define for me everything? How much more must I let the word of God speak into my life, my values, my beliefs, my behavior, my emotions, my opinions? How much more do I just come into the oneness? And so Jesus, in his prayer, he says, um, verse 18, no, verse 13, John 17, verse 13. And now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So this is for us. I've given them your word, which is the word logos. It's this beautiful Bible we hold. Like Wes brought up. We can be in a room free to worship. No one can tell us we can't. That is a great privilege. Let's act, actively use it. We've been given a book that we can read in our own language. Let's actively take advantage of this opportunity. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So we're not getting out of here just to get free from problems. But that you should keep them from the evil one. So God, the plan of Jesus is to make overcomers out of all of us. The prayer of Jesus is that we all become overcomers over the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Now, that's that word. You're in it, I'm in it. To the last breath we breathe, this is the journey of our becoming, of our becoming, entering into the glory. I ask you to sanctify them by your truth. Truth is key. 
And the truth is the Bible. Without the Bible, you don't know the truth. I don't know the truth. I'm just hearing opinions. You think, I, I, how could that be? Because it happened before we know it happened. When the Bible went out of the, out of the reading of the people, when the people became illiterate, when they gave it just to the priests, and the priests told us what we're to believe, we came up with the most wacky doctrines, crazy stuff. We had the indulgences to, right before Martin Luther's Reformation. You know, you sin, but if you pay us a little extra money, those sins don't really matter. So, you know, it's, it was just insanity because the Bible went away. And if we let the Bible go away from us personally, you have to, you have to take your, you are, you, are the, you are the head of your household. You're the king of your family that you're trying to listen to God. And if you don't have the Bible, you're listening to someone else. You Thank God for many helps, but without the Bible being my primary source of who are you, Lord? What are you saying? What are your ways? How do you respond to this? How do you move? What are your values? Then I lose the possibility of beginning to believe lies, delusions. So he says, your word is truth. Your word, your logos, the entirety of the Bible. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So we're not even getting to escape. We're going to have to live in the midst of this but we're being sanctified. And for their sakes, now this is the Son of Man. This is the, the Word made flesh. The Word made flesh is now speaking as a son before the Father in a prayer and says, for their sake, I sanctify myself. That's Jesus, total submission to the Bible. He was not operating beyond the Bible. He was not writing the script as he went along. He was submitting to the, all the law and the prophets. So that everything that he then, when his, at his resurrection, he points to the scriptures, says, this is what the prophets declared I would be and what would happen. And that they also may be sanctified by thy truth. So this is the, the pattern. This is the path to whatever we're to complete. The older you are, the more this becomes the main agreement, posture, position. Let me show you two other verses and then we'll pray. If you'll go with me to Acts chapter uh, 20. This is Paul on his way to uh, the Jerusalem, having his last get short gathering with, his, uh, with the Ephesians elders on the seashore. And he's explaining to them uh, verse... 25, this is kind of a farewell. Like Jesus, John 17 is a farewell prayer. Now he's releasing a farewell statement. And indeed, I know, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Now, that's what he said to Timothy. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Become the one who is taking the responsibility for yourself to, to be aware of and how to move forward in what God is saying and not for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. 
not sparing the flock. And then he goes on and says, also from among yourselves. So he's sitting there looking at a group like ourselves and all of us wholly submitted to the king and walking together as family. He says, I know though there'll be men will rise up speaking perverse things. Anything, per anything outside of the biblical mandate, the ways of God's heart, kingdom loving is a perverse thing. And how, does, how do you see it? They draw away the disciples after themselves. When someone is collecting people to a special identity, a special belief, a special wind of doctrine, it usually could be have kernels of truth, but it also has a perversity to move us from the, the one. Everything has to take me to Jesus Christ. Every scripture, because everything is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And if it does not bring me to Jesus Christ, and I'm listening to something that doesn't take me back to Jesus Christ, it, it could be... And, you know, something superfluous, something off the side. It could be an error. It could be part of the journey into deception. It's like if you remember, some of you read The Pilgrim's Progress, a book written by Bunyan in, in prison. And he talks about he's traveling on a road, and it's a difficult road. It's gravel. It's rocky. And there's a fence. Right on the other side of the fence is a nice he's kind of same path but it's grassy and smooth and he thinks to himself why don't I just jump over and walk on this smooth path because there's no reason to be going through such a difficult path and so he does but without realizing he soon to deviate until he ends up finding himself in the dungeon of despair so the possibility is always present so he goes on therefore watch and remember that for Three years I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you, and here's our, we, here we are today again, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So though we be young or old, Though we not know where we are or what we're to do, within the word of grace, within God, there is an inheritance. And the word of grace is building us up so that we can, we can entertain the inheritance that we've been given in Christ among those as we are the sanctified. We are the being sanctified. So one last verse, and let me kind of, a, uh, I use this, for myself as a, a returning measurement. You know, how, how close am I to the gold standard? Ephesians chapter 1. Just uh, speaking of inheritance. And we are men of inheritance. I, I believe there's going to become a phenomenal things. You maybe have, have to answer that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Are, you, are we okay with you following me on this? You are not past your prime. You're not past your point of, you're about to, we're about to enter in to some things that I, I think eyes have not seen or ear heard neither have entered the heart of men, the things God's prepared for us. We love him. And they're revealed by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. In him, in Christ, we have obtained 
Did I get 12? Okay. Okay, verse 11. I'm, I'm sorry. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance, an inheritance is something that was determined by someone else. And our inheritance in Christ individually and collectively has already been determined. We do not, we're not earning a new place. We're not earning. We're just trying to come alive to, into the inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him. That's our father who, call, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So in Christ, we've obtained an inheritance. This inheritance, which is boundaries, purpose, calling, everything, it was determined, predetermined according to his purpose. And he does everything according to the counsel of his will. This is not an invitation. This is not let's see how you do, test you as you go. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So... <clears throat> And this, you can start any age, Drew, with your little guys at home or us with great-grandkids, whoever we are. We have to learn to live in trust in Christ. Center in and pull things into Christ. These are all yours. None of this stuff is going past your notice. You're, you're in, I, I, I am, it's inside your inheritance. I'm trusting in you, Christ, to trust First trusted means I accept what has been said before any other proof has come. I'm living in, the, in agreement with the word. I do not need other things to agree with the word for me to agree with the word. I take the word. I take what is being spoken and what is being shown. In him you also, in him we also trusted. After we heard the word of truth. I tell you, this book is... It's living. It's alive and it's light and it's life and it's sharpened into it. So when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, truth saves. Truth brings salvation. Having believed, I right? I said yes. Holy Spirit comes and seals me. I'm sealed with Holy Spirit of promise. And he becomes the guarantee of the inheritance. So, he says, I got you. Papa, Papa purchased you with the son. I'm now here the guarantee that the, what he purchased you for will be fully fulfilled. I'm the guarantee until the purchased possession is redeemed, until the completion of it, to the praise of his glory. So when we look at life, personal issues, global issues, and return them to the Christ and what he accomplished and, what he, and who he is at the right hand and practice the word of God. That is our partnership. I think more than any other thing we can personally possibly do in the earth is to agree with the Son. So I'd like to give an, a practice point because I'm... It, it, it always starts personally, right? I mean, how I feel is going to affect what I do. How I'm thinking is going to affect where, how far I can reach. And I know the devil, he's very good at creating crises, drama, 
problems to take our attention from the truth so that we cannot advance to a larger picture. So he wants to get us caught in our stuff because he, he knows us. And if we get caught enough in our stuff, our stuff will consume us and we'll seek relief any way we can. But God looks at the same things. That's all right. I'm okay with that because I've got a way to overcome the devil. It's called my word, truth. And it's going to sanctify you so that you are kept from the evil one. The evil one's coming. He's going to put, a, put an issue around you. He's going to do, create distress and strife. He knows how to push my buttons, right? He knows how, what makes me afraid. He knows what makes me mad. He knows what makes me sad. And he goes and he pushes on it. He, he's, well more, he's more acquainted with my flesh than I am. And he pushes on it. And we would think, well, God, just don't let him do that. But he's no, this is the maturity. This is the, this is the training for reigning, overcoming. How are you going to overcome? By the truth, the word. You're going to be sanctified. You're going to be set apart. You're going to say, yeah, I, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. This is a real issue. But this is what I choose to submit to, believe, and accept. So let's go to Romans, because I'm, I'm sure this, this affects us all. Romans uh, 8, and I want us to practice this. Because <clears throat> as, as I always say, you know, the proof is in the pudding, and it's where the, you know, where the rubber meets the road. How am I doing? You know, you can apply this to your marriage. There's scriptures for marriage. There's scriptures for children. There's scriptures for how I'm to uh, uh, rest, how I'm to pray, how I am to... The Bible is just telling us continually. But this one, I love this. I will begin verse 7. uh, No, I'll begin in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So I, I'm, I wake up in the morning in the flesh. I don't know about you. I wake up. I've been sleeping inside my body. My body's been resting. I'm, and now I get to start a new day. If I live according to the flesh, I set my mind on the things of the flesh. Oh, I feel kind of lousy today. I kind of feel tired. I feel sick. I'm beginning to feel these ailments. I'm wondering if these ailments, and I set my mind on it. And your mind starts to go about, oh, no, what about? What do I do? I don't want to get up. I'm tired then those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In having woken up, my spirit man wants to set, it, set my mind on the things above, on the, on the heavenly. That's why we do our prayer, to redirect from what would be the earthly, carnal, fleshly thinking life and come back up to the higher life that we are given in Christ. So set the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or word carnal is flesh. To be fleshly minded is death. So if my, and I'm in the first, I get fleshly minded. It's not something that, fleshly minded is default, the default. If I'm not applying my mind on things above, I am going to apply it on the things of the flesh. It's just default. And and because it will make, it will get my attention. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, the key about practicing submission 
sanctification by the truth is just first off, where do we set our mind? And then letting the word of God be the defining, which right now we're doing. And we're saying, okay, for because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So here I am. Let's, I've got a real issue that I need to deal with, but I'm not setting my mind on the things above with the word of God. I'm setting my mind on the problem. And God's saying, well, you're, you're, you're kind of working against me because the problem isn't the problem. The problem, if anything, is you and submission to me and my son's provision. You're not, you're not letting my son's provision step in. You're, you're in fear and turmoil rather than trust. So, so what do we do? Set your mind on the things of, well, because the carnal mind is enmity of God. Uh, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, God's ways, nor indeed can it be. So even as well-intentional we, we are, I'm going to do the right thing. God, tell me what to do. We can't if the, if the flesh is the defining factor as to where I am, how I'm doing. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it's... Remember how John said, in the, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? Tomorrow we're going to come together and let's all be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Just that exercise. That's what West did so perfectly today. Get in the Spirit. Come on up. Come on up. Sing yourself. Make it your words. Make it your song. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Because by the new birth, we've been born from above. We are in the Spirit. That's our place of birth, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, how many have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Right? So, all of us. That's good news. It, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. So, that's all the differentiation. Having received that God raised Jesus from the dead, believing we've been born from above, and we are, have the Spirit of Christ. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So my, my spirit man, if I get, if I, if, I'm, if I move that with my spirit to the things of God, there will be a life connection. I'll feel it. That's what happens at a good, you know, good connection in prayer. You just go, wow, that's really good. I'm connected. But the... But, excuse me, one back. Uh, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from dead, now we're going to practice this one little verse. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, Holy Spirit is the promise of Father. It was a Father who said, you're my son today, I've begotten you. It was a Father that said, raise my son from the dead. Get him out of, call him back into life. Give him the new creation body. Awaken him. Let him have, come back to his facility, faculties. Arise. Spirit of God did the work. Father was the one who did, who initiated it. Father sits, Jesus sits at the Father's right hand. Father coronates him. You are now the king of righteousness forever. Throne is your throne forever. Scepter of righteousness. And here's the promise of the Holy Spirit that I always said would come. Because now whoever believes on you has been made righteous and set apart. So now my spirit will be upon them. So pour him out. And then Pentecost. 
And so he says, if this, this same spirit I, I use, my papa, our father, raised Jesus from the dead by the Holy Spirit, right? Are we agree? He didn't do it. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. Do you get it? He didn't break out of heaven. He didn't do anything except submit. What he did was he believed that God the Father was able and would bring him out of death. And because of that faith, that's our faith today. But he says, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Now, that word life is reanimation. We have a mortal body. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, has an immortal body. We are living inside a mortal body as Jesus lived when he walked with the Father in a submitted mortal body. He had, the, he had from the woman, he got the body. From the Father, he got the spirit. But, he, but now he's got an immortal body. Death in, he, but now we have the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead dwelling in us. Think about this. The, 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 the potential is unlimited. And if he who raised Christ from the dead, he will give life, he will reanimate, he will revitalize, he will renew, he will re, re, resuscitate your mortal bodies through his spirit who's dwelling in us. So Father's making a promise through, the, through Apostle Paul in Romans 8, those of us as we're living in the Spirit, putting our mind on the things of the Spirit, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us, the Father will actively cause life to flow into our body. So how do we practice that? We can take the circumstances of life we're in. It can be outward. It can be internal. It can be physical, majorly physical. And say, Lord, I receive the revitalization of my living body, my mortal body, all my cells, all my organs, all my body, so that I might be about my Father's business and not hindered in my, with health. I receive, I receive the same Spirit. He dwells in me. And I receive your willingness, because it's stated in Scripture, to give life and revitalize my mortal body. The glory of God is just here. And I just accept that this is indeed happening because I set my mind on the things above. I set my mind. I don't have to be held captive by this flesh and mortal body that we're unlimited. And you, health, wealth, hope, everything is communicated by Holy Spirit from the Father's will, the Word of God made flesh, breaking into our life. So, anybody got some aches and pains? Old age, a little bit of, you know, creaks and, you know. Why don't we just take a moment and just really receive that? Practice that. Just, uh, see, it's stepping into the Scripture, whether I, can, I can't produce it, but I can't accept it as truth. And having accepted it as truth, this is what happens. If I accept it as truth, sanctification is happening. I'm being taken out of a circumstance of a fallen setting into an eternal position of life. And I think that's just huge. It can be fun. You can do that with your children, grandchildren. You can do that with your money. You can do that with the nation. You can do it with anything and everything so long as we just resubmit it back to Christ and his purposes 
at that moment. And for ourselves, it's easiest because we're the one that has authority over our body. The only other person we have more, as much authority over is our spouse because we're one flesh. Let's stand together, please. <clears throat> so this is how I do it. If you can take me back to uh, uh, verse 11. I'm always returning to Scripture. I'm always going back. I don't let my mind be my memory. I don't kind of paraphrase when I'm needing the Scripture to come forth again in my, I go back to it. I always see something new then. And as I let the Scripture rise up with preeminence, with, with greater than everything I'm in, it begins to shape or settle or sanctify in this case, our mortal flesh. So I, I'll do this. I'll, I'll just say it. You say it with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, how you raised Jesus from the dead with the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. And because of this, you, by the same Spirit, is making my mortal body alive, revitalized by the Spirit dwelling in me. I receive revitalization in all my organs, in all of my cells, in my bones, my marrow, my blood. I receive this newness of life Right now, I thank you. I praise you. Now, once I've done it once, I'll do it a second time. <laughs> because I'm renewing the mind. So we'll try it again. Heavenly Father, thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. You commanded him to come out of the grave. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised. Now this Holy Spirit, I have received all of the Holy Spirit. Just speak in tongues for a moment. We'll continue in English. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance until the redemption of me in every way. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit in my body is making my mortal body alive. I receive life. Sickness cannot exist where life is dwelling. I receive healing. I receive resurrection. I receive joy. I receive the fruit of the Spirit. I receive the blessing. Whoa. Praise you. 
And then I'll, I'll, I, I will pause and, and, and say, well, yeah, and, and just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Thank you. Thank you. See, the word sanctifying us right now. We're being elevated out of the limitations and the curse of the law into the truth of God's word. Whoa. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And when I'm in this place, many times the Holy Spirit begins to pick up the prayer from the place where I started at the point of need and takes me beyond the point of need to the point where he's taking and leading. Like, for instance, a few verses down, I just was reminded, he says, as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So if I hear the Lord saying something or a scripture comes back to my memory, I make sure I say it back to the Father in agreement because my mouth and my is my confession. So let's say together, Father, I am led by your Spirit, for I am a son of God, and I'm being matured by being led by the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is mine to enjoy love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of it. Oh, praise you. Praise you. Now, right here, we begin to have an attitude adjustment. Our emotions begin to align to this. Joy and peace and love. I abound here. We're here. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, our setting our mind on the thing above, setting our mind on the Spirit, setting our mind on the truth of God's Word brings sanctification. It brings us transformation. It brings us into the truth, and it begins to find its expression. First in my heart, in my emotions, in my soul, and it begins to show up in my body and the world around me. Oh, pabedesa. Olama de besa. You see, the tongues start working because some, soon your mind is got, can't keep up with the spirit of truth. But I feel the Lord wanting us to extend faith over our family right now. Heavenly Father, let's say it together. Thank you for the Spirit of God who gives life to my mortal flesh and to my children and to my wife and to those I love and have been given charge over. Come, Holy Spirit, and perform the Word of God in their life. Your glory shining in their life. 
revealing the truth in them. Thank you. I declare they live, they fulfill their destiny, they come alive in their faith, they stay alive in their faith. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. And here's where you might then get promises that you were given uniquely to family, children, loved ones, and you can declare to the Lord, I've heard you say these words. They will be fulfilled. They are fulfilled in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 We have a destiny in Christ, an inheritance beyond anything we could have ever hoped for. Hallelujah. 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 Now we'll just go one more and then we'll be done. Let's, do, let's just reach, oh, let's extend our expectancy over the nation. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are in charge of everything that is happening. The wicked for the time of destruction and for the righteous for the time of redemption. And we declare that right now you are moving in the earth, in America, to build a love of truth, to embrace the truth, submit to the truth, to submit to Jesus Christ. Make, it, make this fresh again and renewed. Praise you. Praise you. Again, Lord, hunger again. Hunger for the Word of God. Hunger to pray. We submit. Now, just closing prayer. Think about this. When you get in the in a bigger stream of something like that, like America, you can easily get swept in strong opinions and fears. And what we have to learn to do, I f I'm learning. I'm not doing good at it. I'm just learning, practicing. I have to submit to returning to the truth. So I, like Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, he, Pontius Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to get, let you go? He said, you don't have any power except what's given to you from heaven. And then he went on and said, well, I came for this reason to testify to the truth. If it, it, so... Let's just say these words and we'll close. Heavenly Father, you give us Jesus Christ and his words in this moment over this nation and over all your people. You distinguish your people from those who are not. And we agree together for an awakening in the people of God and a returning of those who have wandered away from the truth. And we declare it's happening by your Holy Spirit, by the proclamation of the resurrection, by our intercession, by Jesus' intercession. We are expecting and looking for the awakening of your church in the earth and in the United States of America and its influence as kings and priests. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. 
Now just take a moment and see the Lord moving throughout the land and touching lives and awakening hearts and returning people from wandering paths back to the truth. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. This is happening. We thank you, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Lord, I pray you would witness for us the seal of Holy Spirit over us right now so that we might go out with joy and be led forth in peace, mountains, hills, breaking forth, singing. We might look upon this earth as it's yielding to Christ and his coming and his body and their maturity. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.